Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for February the 3rd of 2020. The show is incredibly late. Of course, for those that are watching the VOD the day after or perhaps 10 years into the future, you'll not know this, but generally I try and get the show out around 7 o'clock at night just to try and, you know, maintain some kind of consistency. However, over the weekend, I bought a brand new TV. Also over the weekend, I bought a brand new couch. Don't you love tax season? Personally, I do. But... I went ahead and set up the couch. Then I laid down on said couch and I started watching Netflix. I am infatuated with the show You. It is really good. I'm on season two, episode seven. Ah, it's nice stuff. However, that does not mean there is no show today because there is, in fact, news to go over. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Today's show starts off with Nintendo says it is not concerned about PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X launches. The company does not expect consoles to significantly impact its business. Speaking in a newly published Japanese Q&A, company president Shuntaro Furukawa told investors he believes that there will be a little audience crossover between Switch and the upcoming next-gen consoles. Quote, we will explain the specific figures for the next fiscal year in our next fiscal year announcement, but I think there will certainly be a change in the environment as new products of our competitors appear, Furukawa said. He added that because he believes the target audiences of Nintendo Switch and its competitors will be different, we do not believe that the business trends of other companies will have a significant impact on our business. Both PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are planned to launch in holiday 2020. A recent MPD survey claimed that around 40% of U.S. Nintendo Switch owners also own a PlayStation 4 and or an Xbox One, which could indicate that many users consider the platform supplemental to PlayStation and Xbox. In the same investor Q&A, Nintendo president said Nintendo Switch is entering the middle of its life cycle as it approaches its fourth year. Furukawa told investors he is taking a long-term view in his plans for Switch, which Nintendo will continue to support with a dual strategy of both releasing new software and supporting existing releases. The most important thing for us is whether we can maintain the momentum of Nintendo Switch, he said, adding that pushing the portable-only Switch Lite to expand the audience was of particular importance. In terms of software, in addition to continuously introducing new software, we believe that it will be very important to continue our efforts to sell titles that we have released so far, he added. We believe that the Nintendo Switch business is now in its fourth year and is just in the middle of its life cycle. Rather than just the next year, I think about things in terms of what to do the following year and the year after that. In its latest earning results, Nintendo said Switch had sold 52.48 million units as of December 31st, 2019, up 10.81 million units since its second quarter ended on September the 30th. Of course, we talked about all those figures last week where Nintendo Switch is certainly climbing the ranks in terms of popularity overall. However, let's talk about what we've got here today, Nintendo not being concerned about the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. Is there anything to legitimately worry about? Quite frankly, no, I don't really think that there is because of the way that the current generation is working itself out. As it stands today, many people that I know do consider the Nintendo Switch to be supplemental to their main system. It simply makes sense that way. For those that want the top tier, best, pinnacle kind of console experience, the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X, those are your go-tos. But many people that have that same kind of experience might work a lot. Many people that have that same kind of experience might be on the go, maybe going to college classes, going to high school, whatever it might be. 
The Nintendo Switch is a very versatile piece of hardware. You can plug it into the dock and play it on the TV. You can take it on the go and play it on break at work. Whatever you need to do, the Nintendo Switch can kind of fill those gaps. On top of that, the giant AAA exclusives that come out on the Nintendo Switch cannot be found on other systems. And so I think that also adds a good bit of value. Uh, but overall, the unique take the hardware has on how you play it, combined with the titles available, certainly do carve out a small space for Nintendo, where I do think that a lot of people that are going to be having a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X are certainly already, if not going to be owners of a Nintendo Switch at some point in the future. So with that being said, cool to see it. And I'm glad that Nintendo is doing well. Again, so cool to see them taking the next generation with confidence and saying, hey, you got the nice graphics, you got the next big games, we got some big games coming too. But the one question I do have is how is third party support going to continue on with the newest generation? That's something that's going to be a bit of a tricky point because we are evolving into more of a PC space than a console space because game developers can, uh, you know, create different tiers of their game. They can skew it to work well on a variety of pieces of hardware. That's what we've been seeing in the PC space for years, and it's just now coming into its own on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. But if the Xbox Xbox Series X is so much more advanced, if the PlayStation 5 is so much more advanced, how are they going to take that same quality and skew it down to the Nintendo Switch, or are they going to focus entirely on making that top tier version of the game the pinnacle version of the game and kind of leave the Switch out of the dust? That's yet to be seen, so Nintendo might be carrying the torch for this one and really pumping out a lot of big AAA releases that are exclusive to the Nintendo Switch. Alternatively, you could just see developers Again, kind of make different tiers of their games and be perfectly fine. I'm no developer, but if they've done it so far, again, if The Witcher 3 can look as good as it looks on the Xbox One X and play as good as it does on the Nintendo Switch, although they are very different experiences, it's possible. And plus, Doom Eternal is coming to the Switch too, so I mean, we shouldn't really have anything to worry about. But nonetheless, Nintendo, not worried at all. In fact, they're so unworried that they don't even plan to release a Pro model in 2020, which has been long rumored. Nintendo says it has no plans to launch a new Switch model in 2020. Comments that follow numerous reports that a new upgraded Switch Pro model is on the way. With the launch of Nintendo Switch Lite in 2019 as a member of the Nintendo Switch family at a different price point and with different features, we are seeing new consumers purchasing Nintendo Switch for the first time, and also consumers who already own Nintendo Switch opting to purchase and an additional system, excuse me, to make use of both systems, shared Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa. Nintendo has a habit of launching different versions of its portable hardware to meet the needs of different audiences, but says that for now it only plans to best promote the two current Switch flavors it has out in the wild. Part of the reasoning here, as noted by Furukawa, is that Nintendo feels that we have not yet fully communicated the special features and appeal of Nintendo Switch Lite, so we will continue to address this going forward. We believe that it is important to continue to communicate the appeal of both Nintendo Switch systems and expand the installed base. Please note that we have no plans to launch a new Nintendo Switch model during 2020, and that is the end of the quote. Now, this is something uh, that I was hoping we would see, quite frankly, because it would be awesome to see Nintendo release something that was on par with a PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox Series X, 
excuse me, a PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox One X uh, alongside the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, because that would kind of create the exact scenario that we've got now, but everything's bumped up a little bit, where you do have the PS4 Pro and the One X really killing it over here with the graphics, and then you have the Nintendo Switch doing fine. So if you have the Series X and the PlayStation 5, killing it on the graphics, just blowing the PlayStation 4 Pro and the One X out of the water, it'd be cool to have a Switch Pro that again blows the Switch out of the water, but that makes everything look really, really, really good. Unfortunately, that does not seem to be the case. Instead, we're going to be sticking with the basic consoles that we have now, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Of course, technically, there are three different models of the Nintendo Switch. You have the Lite, the OG Day 1 model, and then you have an updated version of the OG Day 1 model that actually has a better battery life. So, you know, take that for what it is. Technically, we have a Pro, if you will. Uh, but regardless, no plans for a new Nintendo Switch in 2020. Interesting to see. Don't know if that's a good move or a bad one. However, moving on, the guy who leaked the Switch before its launch has pled guilty to hacking Nintendo. Ryan Hernandez has pleaded guilty to federal crimes relating to a Nintendo hacking scheme that resulted in the leaking of a pre-release info set about the Nintendo Switch. California-based Ryan Hernandez, 21, along with an associate, fished a Nintendo employee in 2016 in an attempt to steal confidential information from the company, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. In 2017, the FBI contacted Hernandez and his parents to warn him of the consequences of future hacking. But between June 2018 and June 2019, Hernandez continued to break into multiple Nintendo servers and illegally accessed corporate information. Hernandez would go on to boast of his successes on Twitter, Discord, and his personal chat forum, Ryan's Underground Hangout. Cool, where he discussed confidential information found through hacking Nintendo as well as sharing vulnerabilities in Nintendo's network. As a result, the FBI raided Hernandez's home in June 2019 and found thousands of confidential Nintendo files. Now hold the phone, dial it back in. He was additionally charged with possession of child pornography. Let's let that one sink in. Hernandez has agreed to pay $259,323 in restitution to Nintendo as part of his plea agreement, according to the DOJ. His full sentence is yet to be determined. However, he faces up to five years in prison for hacking and up to 20 years for possession of child pornography. Uh, number one, first and foremost, child pornography in the man's computer. That's the story. However, the guy that hacked Nintendo is also getting uh, roughly five years, maybe, and he's having to pay a ton of money, uh, so that's good. But on top of that, the man's getting 20 years in jail for child porn. These are bad people. These are really bad people. Anyways, oh God, disgusting. I feel like I need to shower. Ugh, I probably, I probably need a shower anyway. Uh, Bioware games were strangely missing from an EA investor call in other news. EA just recently released its earnings report, but there was no report on Bioware or any of its titles. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was an obvious success for EA, but other titles like FIFA were listed for their consistency. However, there was no word on Bioware or anything related to the studio. This seems strange considering the past and future lineup of Bioware games. Dragon Age 4 is currently the primary title in development, and some rumors have suggested that it could be re-revealed soon. In addition, there have been new talks of a Mass Effect title, with these two series being flagship titles for Bioware, it's somewhat odd that neither were mentioned in the company's report. 
Anthem is another title Bioware refuses to abandon. The company is reportedly working on a revamp of the title internally at the moment, but with Anthem already a released game under Bioware's belt, it's worth noting that nothing was reported about it from EA. Considering Bioware has several major titles being worked on, you would think that the current status of the company should appear prominently in EA's figures. In EA's third quarter, revenue increased 24% year-over-year to $1.59 billion, lower than the $1.96 billion analysts predicted. This quarter contained the release of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Need for Speed Heat, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville, Apex Legends is also credited as a top hit, helping the company grow and expand into Asia. Net income hit $346 million and cash flow rose to $1.1 billion and a record $1.9 billion for the prior 12 months. EA is expecting net revenue of $5.48 billion and income of $2.92 billion to end the fiscal year. Of course, COO and CFO Blake Jorgensen stated, quote, We expect live services to continue to drive growth in fiscal 2021 and for growth to accelerate in fiscal 2022, led by a new Battlefield. Battlefield 6 was recently announced as a next-gen release alongside Madden NFL 22 and FIFA 22. And EA's future map includes four sports games, four games from older properties, four global releases of titles from smaller developers, and two new mobile games. And a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, but it's unknown if any of these are directly related to Bioware. So number one, EA has got a lot going on right now. Also, new Battlefield, baby. Let's go. So I'm very excited about that. However, they aren't talking anything Bioware related. That's a little bit shocking to me. I thought we would hear something about Anthem at this point. Anything about Anthem. Because if the game is being worked on in the way that I think it's being worked on, then there should be some kind of discussion surrounding the game itself. And there is nothing. Radio silence, which is very concerning because I think that Anthem has potential. If you actually went back and redid it from the ground up in the similar kind of way that uh, the team at Bungie treated Destiny 2... You could really make something special there. But I feel like right now it's more of a meme than anything, so I'd be shocked if Anthem actually did come back. But Bioware is certainly working on something, so EA has yet to reveal what that may be. However, over the weekend, Steam has set a record after hitting its highest player count ever. Steam has just broken its own record for number of concurrent users this past Sunday. The PC gaming platform experienced a peak of 18,801,944 players at around 6.20 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, according to SteamDB, breaking its previous record of 18,537,490 set on January 14th of 2018. Strangely, though, all of those millions of Steam users online today were actually fewer players in-game than there were last January. Today's peak saw 5 million, roughly, actually closer to 6 million players in-game, compared to statistics from January 2018 showing more than 7 million users in-game. Steam has broken its record for the most concurrently online users that was held for two years. Previous record was 18,537,490, and it's still increasing, SteamDB tweeted out today. But there's about 1 million less players actually in-game, about 5.8 million versus about 7 million two years ago, they say directly. So what's the reason for the uptick in concurrent users? That is not exactly clear, but it has been a long time coming. In April, Steam officially hit 1 billion accounts and 90 million active users per month. This even followed Valve's banning of over 600,000 Steam accounts at the end of 2018, a record number of bans on the platform. This is interesting. Personally, if I did have to guess why, I feel like Destiny has something to do with it. You know, just digging deep and trying to figure out why there would be that many people online. 
Again, if you are a Destiny 2 player, a lot of those are very committed people that probably play every day. The community is thriving. And so now that it's on Steam, a lot of people might have just logged off or they might be just on their PCs, whatever it might be, but Steam is still open. Steam is still running. And so technically, that might be a big reason why uh, you might be seeing these record-breaking numbers. Now, again, that's just me hypothesizing, but it is possible. Of course, I don't know exactly what games are popular on Steam right now. I've been playing Xbox more than anything, honestly, as of late. But regardless, cool to see, and of course, Steam is still the leader in the PC gaming space. Crazy to see, even with Epic pouring tons and tons of money into the Epic Game Store. However, The Last of Us Part 2 is Naughty Dog's first game to feature nudity and sexual content. The Last of Us is a beloved series that has gained a large diehard following. From community mods to being voted best game of the decade by fans on the PlayStation blog, a sequel has been desperately sought after for years. The news of its delay at the end of last year was disappointing for many, but the public goodwill behind it enabled Naughty Dog director Neil Druckmann to comment that it will make fans proud when it finally arrives. The reception to the game's delay was mostly positive, with many having faith in what Naughty Dog could do, especially with what we know about the sequel taking a much darker turn. It certainly seems like we're getting something more mature this time out from The Last of Us Part 2, an imagery available via the official website for the sequel. You can see that the ESRB has awarded the upcoming title with an M-17 plus rating. In itself, this is not major news for the series. This is the exact same rating given to The Last of Us and The Last of Us Left Behind. Where it differs, however, is the accompanying content descriptors of the rating. Whereas The Last of Us has sexual themes, Part 2 is tipped to have both sexual content and nudity. The gulf between sexual themes and sexual content might seem minuscule, but there is a definite difference between the two. The ESRB refers to sexual content as non-explicit depictions of sexual behavior, possibly including partial nudity, sexual themes, references to sex or sexuality. What this will actually add to the story is yet to be seen. Whether this will enable Naughty Dog to give an even more true-to-life depiction of an apocalyptic world, or whether it will allow Ellie to explore her sexuality through the player are all potential conclusions we could draw. I have confidence that Naughty Dog will use their tools respectively. And of course, the author goes on to talk more. Personally... I think this is probably something about Ellie's sexuality, which I'm perfectly cool with. That sounds good to me. That's fine. The thing with it is, sexuality is part of the human experience. That's something that we all know to be true. And so, if you are trying to tell a story that truly connects with an audience, that really brings a human flavor into an apocalyptic world, you can't just cherry-pick where you focus. You know, even in The Walking Dead, there are plenty of sexual themes. Any kind of apocalypse is going to have a very strong emotional impact on people, which is inevitably going to bleed into their sexuality. And so, of course, from the moment that we saw The Last of Us Part Two officially revealed, Ellie is clearly in some kind of love romance relationship with this other woman. And so that's something that I'm very excited to explore more of, and I cannot wait to see what story Neil Druckmann and the team over at Naughty Dog have come up with. Again, they can't do wrong in my mind. I love Naughty Dog. I've loved them since I was a kid playing Jack and Daxter, and I'm loving them now. Can't wait to jump into it. However, Patrick Mahomes has officially broken the Madden NFL cover curse. Just the second Madden star to win a Super Bowl in the season of his appearance. Perhaps the Madden NFL cover curse, a piece of statistical mythology that took hold after a string of bad luck seasons befell the first 10 players or so to get the honor, can be laid to rest. Sunday night, Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs to a 31-20 Super Bowl 54 triumph and became just the second of 22 Madden NFL cover stars to win a Super Bowl in the season of his cover appearance. And Mahomes is the first cover star to win the Super Bowl MVP in that season. 
New England tight end Rob Gronkowski starred on the cover of Ben NFL 17, and the Patriots did win Super Bowl 51 that season. But there is a catch. Numerous injuries ultimately put Gronkowski out of the season after the 11th week, and he watched the Super Bowl from the sidelines. So if you want to be technically correct, the best kind, then Mahomes is the first Madden cover star to play in and win a Super Bowl and its MVP, while eluding the all curses, evil eyes, and hexes for an immaculate trifecta. As Madden NFL 20 cover star, Mahomes got quite a log rolling from EA Sports in its annual simulation of the Super Bowl. Mahomes did not have quite the same... Wait. Mahomes did not have quite the game the simulation predicted... It's the Super Bowl, man. It's the Super Bowl. Mahomes killed it. The Chiefs killed it. Personally, I didn't expect them to win at all. But here we are. So Mahomes, absolutely one of the best players in the NFL today. I was very impressed with his performance. And overall, the Madden curse has been broken. This is something that's been around for a very long time. I remember growing up and being like, there's no way. Then it happened time and time again, even with Gronkowski, big old Gronk out there laying on the field, all hurt and stuff. Uh, So now we have Mahomes officially busting the curse wide open. And congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs in Missouri, by the way, for winning the Super Bowl. Awesome to see it. Just glad it's not the Patriots, man. Just glad it's not the Pats. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, be sure to drop me a like down below. And of course, subscribe for more content. The show rolls out five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So be sure to come back for more. Until tomorrow, you guys have a good one and peace.